the podcast, Storytelling and Safety, brought to you by you, the listener. Please visit the website, storytellingandsafety.com, for other episodes. Hey, welcome back to Storytelling and Safety. I am Tim Page Bodderf, and I know we've taken a lot of time off, but we're back. We're back. We're rested, and we've been trained. When I say trained, we just returned back a few weeks ago from the an incredible safety 2022 and i tell you what that pdc professional development conference got a lot of stories there was a lot of networking a lot of visiting and it's been three or four years since i've connected with this individual on social media Um, but we finally got to meet in person at a place called reggie bananas (laughs) it was a comedy club and I'm going to give a mad shout out to three good friends of mine, Jason Maldonado, Jason Lucas, Abby Ferry, for hosting the Safety Justice League in real life event because I finally got to meet Timothy Podorf. And we're going to call him Tim for the podcast. And so, you know what? I figured it would be the best first episode out of the gate for the new season. And so we're going to have Tim Podorf join us from QP3 Ergo Systems. Tim, how you doing? Well, thanks, Tim. Nice to, nice to see you. It is. It's nice to see you, and I'm so glad we got a finally a finally ch- a chance to meet. I know that uh, Tim Potterf and Tim Page Botterf in the same room could be confusing to some people. <laughs> That's okay. TP TP's in the house. Let's just say it that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Tim, I, I got a little bit of a background on you. I know that meeting you at, for the first time in person was at an in real life event, and uh, honestly, frankly, I think we could get back to more of those. Although. With a slight uptick in uh, in COVID cases again, um, I totally get it. I totally understand. And here we are meeting virtually, but still we're meeting and getting a chance to network and get a chance to know you. Getting a, our listeners are getting a chance to know you a little bit better. Um, and frankly, I see us kind of developing a presentation together. Um, and what might come out of this podcast could very well be that presentation. So without further ado, Tim, why don't you go ahead and tell us how you got involved with health and safety? Well, it's, it's a bit of a bit of an interesting story. Um, as an undergraduate and graduate at Kansas State, um, I studied under the fellow named Steve Kahn's. And he had he had the book Industrial Ergonomics. I was very interested in ergonomics. It was fascinating to me. And uh, then I went, to, but then I went to work as a manufacturing engineer. And, and uh, if you ever, if you ever uh, saw the movie Groundhog Day, where every day was was the same, um, and that sort of dates me, but that's okay. And that you know what? It's, it's okay. Hold on, I'm going to time out here. I got, Groundhog Day to me is by far one of those Saturday Night Live motif movies. That gives you an opportunity and you didn't have to tell me much about the movie because I have seen it. I can relate to it. I understand the story, It, mm-hmm. by the way, which is one incredible story. And I'm quite interested to see where you're going to go with this. So is industrial ergonomics, industrial engineering, is it based on Groundhog Day? Well, I would I wouldn't necessarily that, say that, but my, my job was like the movie in that every day was the exact same thing over and over monday i always do the same thing as i did tuesday wednesday thursday week upon week upon week and frankly as a new undergraduate it was it was was mind-boggling and frustrating and it was it was just I, i i knew i had to do something different i couldn't i saw people who'd been there 10 15 20 years and 
I didn't know what they were doing, how they could handle it. But, you know, I was young, single. And, and the interesting thing is I, I was looking at folks and saying, What's, who are the successful people here? What have they done? And so I started asking around and talking to folks and, and without, um, I guess, without um, question, the one thing that, that the most more successful people in the company at, at Texas Instruments had done was gotten a master's degree. It could be a, master, a technical master's. It could have been an MBA. They'd all gotten an, adv- an advanced degree. So, so um, I started putting laying the grain groundwork for that and um so i had a chance to either go focus on mba get my master's in industrial engineering industrial engineering k-state offered me an assistantship which um so so that's that's actually sort of sort of how how things progressed a little bit okay so the the master's was provided to you so that helped you make a decision um, I'm curious, though, going back to Groundhog Day, was Sonny and Cher playing every morning when you woke up? Was that I Got You, Babe? Is that the song? I, I got you, babe. No. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine waking up to that song every day. But also, you said you had the same job not. over and over again. Yeah. Not. It, was, it was the same same thing over and over, the same projects. And there was, it was it was frustrating. And although I, I learned a bit, I, I met, met some friends down there. You know, I had friends down there and classmates who were down there. I had five, the, the interesting folks, even focus, even though I was you know, doing the same thing every day, I had five jobs and four different managers over the course of a year. Wow. That it was, it was fa- fascinating. Um, and I, I tell you, um, it, when I, when I left to go back to grad school, the, the my coworkers were like, wow, you know, good for you. I'm glad you're doing it. And a lot of them, you know, they were married, they had kids, young families. They couldn't do that. They, they couldn't. And, and unfortunately, it was during during uh, a period of, re- I guess we call a construction in the defense industry. I was in defense electronics. And a lot of those folks within a year did not have jobs. Mm. So it, it was it was hard to hard but i knew I, I needed to to get ahead of things and you know i i wasn't the assistantship didn't necessarily um pay for everything so i did yard work for people after after my class work and research work was done i went home and worked on the family ranch um i would do uh, work for five bucks an hour at electronics a, a wire harness assembly facility uh whatever i i did a lot of different things you know to make ends meet Sure. You have to make ends meet back then, especially yeah. if you're going to grad school. Well, good for you. Well, so I got a question. I always ask every guest, um, did safety end up picking you or did you somehow pick it? Oh, that's an easy question. Uh, safety picked me. I was casting a pretty wide net and I was looking at industrial engineering positions. I was looking here, there, yonder, and ended up um, being snapped up by Alcoa. Aluminum Company of America, because I'd studied additional ergonomics, um, taking additional coursework. That was my thesis. But, you know, I, I cast a wide net looking for a position. There were a lot of jobs around at that time. And I was actually able to land at Alcoa's Warwick Operations, the largest aluminum smelter in the world. Um, to give you the scope of the facility, if you've ever been to Southern Indiana. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. The, yeah, the facility is in Newburgh, but it's located on the banks of the Ohio River. 
on the banks that have their own docks where ore, alumina ore, is un- offloaded in their own dock port facility that comes in, originally mined in like Brazil or Australia, uh, refined in, in Texas, then barged up the rivers. Uh, they had their own coal-fired generating electrical facility on site with their own coal mines 20 miles north. Um, it, it was a fantastic place. Oh, my goodness. I had some we had an amazing safety team there. Um, you know, people like uh, Tracy Dial Aston, uh, Keith Robinson, Liz Kovach Hayes. And Larry Woods and you know industrial hygienist Ken Karsten and Mike Brown. I, I know those, and it's been 30 years since I've been there. Wow, that's great. And, and, um, go ahead. And they picked me. I mean, they were some of the best mentors I could ever have because I because again I came out of industrial engineering, which doesn't really have a big safety focus, even though I had a safe, one safety course in school. So so they taught me every just about everything I know. Oh, that's perfect. I usually ask uh, if you have somebody you want to give a shout out to, but you've already done that. So that's kind of cool <laughs> that you did that. <laughs> well, good. So you're in the world of human factors or ergonomics mm-hmm. and some some ergonomists define human factors to be just that ergonomics. But I like to ask you personally, how do you mm-hmm. how do you define what human factors is? I, I look at I try to look at it as, as looking at the whole look at the whole person. You know, what, what are they doing? Um, there's a physiological aspect to it, um, i.e., the the physical de- where the demands on the body, but there are also demands on on the person, on the psyche. Um, you know, what what pressures do they have? Do they have enough time to really get the job done? And or are they dealing with psychological pressure pressures such as a manager who may shift the goalpost or may not be up and up with them people people see that i used to work with a fellow that had worked for a large aerospace company and he mentioned that they used to have that they would look at their numbers and and they would see spikes every once in a while in particular every different departments they'd see, see soft tissue injury and all the spikes they just couldn't understand it and they started digging and digging and they found that every time a particular supervisor was transferred into a department rotated into the department their soft tissue injuries and illnesses spiked and then when the, the, the supervisor went on to another department, his former department numbers leveled out and the new department spiked. Wow. <laughs> Who we work for plays a massive role in the overall human factor of the workplace because they're an aspect of that human factor. Yeah, I tell you what, that's a great story. Um, there's a lot of stories that come out on the on the psychological side of human factors and I'm not suggesting that it's the same exact thing as psychological safety, but it could very well easily be misconstrued or understood that way. Mm-hmm. And so I know you spend a lot of time on the physiological side, changing mm-hmm. the uh, changing the workspace and then maybe getting that employee to fit that workspace pretty easily. Mm-hmm. I know there's a lot of fancy words in the world of ergonomics, like anthropometric, um, musculoskeletal, <laughs> uh, but on the psychological side, we don't have a lot of fancy words like that. Like, Sometimes it's easy to get a lot of folks to come up to us and say, hey, I've had problems in this regard or um, even on the on the psychological side, we'll even ask questions. Um, 
if you were going to make a mistake today, when when and where would it likely be? And ironically, it's not to pinpoint them out or blame them for a mistake. Mm -hmm. It's just to get them to be aware at the moment that they predicted. They predicted it themselves. So that that could be very well understood on the human factor side. But um, there Mm -hmm. are several definitions out there. I even went to the Industrial Ergonomics Association. I think, did Mm -hmm. I say that right? Are you? IEA, yeah, their 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 definition of human factors actually includes both physiological and psychological, just like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, I I do spend most of my time on the psychological side, which I believe would make us great partners in this event, in this in this mm-hmm. venture towards human factors. Um, I'm a big fan. I think you are too of not blaming the worker, but trying to find a system that'll help them. Um, at the same time, we can help the employee improve for themselves and their family if we focused 24/7. Because you said focusing on the worker as a whole is a hard thing to do. That's what we end up doing is we focus yeah. on the worker. And mm-hmm. I, I I don't think necessarily that total worker health is the actual end all be all the only philosophy, but it is one thing that we could focus on. And so I have to ask, in the field, do you think you spend more time on the physiological side or on the psychological side or both? Um, I'll spend time on both, but physiological is definitely, that's, that's, that's where I'm working. That's, that's where I go in. I, I look at what jobs people are doing, how they're doing them. Um, sometimes I don't have a lot of control. I can't really control the workload, but I can help the companies control the physical demands on a person, for example, <laughs> recently, very recently, I was working with a client. A person was having to make a 50, 51 inch reach to push a toe out of the way over 700 times a shift. Oh. I'm six foot three, Tim. I have a darn long wingspan. I can't do that without tearing my body up. And and how can we how can companies expect people to do that all night, every night, day in, day out? At that that that's the sort of thing those sorts of things I see see that a lot. Or um, you know, oh gee, you, you know, I have a force gauge that I use a lot and it goes up to about 100, 110, about hundred and ten pounds force. I can't tell you the number of times I have pegged that force gauge. Mm-hmm. Trying to trying to measure the the physical exertion people have to have to um, put out to accomplish a task. Um, I, I, something I, I gave a talk at the Safety Twenty Twenty about virtual EHS and ergonomics assessments. And one of the things is, I during this during the pandemic, I went to a client was was doing a assessment, and they had this massive roll of craft paper that they're using to make the the mailing shipping envelopes that a large dot-com retailer likes to use. And um, I pegged that force gauge. I broke the strap I used to try to get the, to get the measurement of the force to move that. And as I said, you can't really measure the force to move roll craft paper through a, through a computer screen have to be on site. So, so there's a lot of stuff going on out there still in 2022 that just tear people's bodies up we can do better yeah absolutely speaking of doing better you've changed my behavior in the last two years um Mm -hmm. we both travel for work and every time i'm in a new hotel i find myself and if you haven't done this already i'm talking to the listeners 
Get out there, connect with Timothy Potorf on LinkedIn. That's the way you look him up. You, you still could call him Tim, but you know you got to look him up as Timothy Potorf. <laughs> and but his recommendation, um, something I have changed my behavior on, and that is in a hotel. Um, Tim, I don't want to steal your thunder, but I have found myself picking towels up off the floor, putting them on the counter. I've found myself taking, and you'll see this. It's happened to a lot of folks that travel. They actually post pictures on LinkedIn and say thank mm-hmm. you, Potorf, for for giving me this recommendation. So without stealing your thunder, Tim, what is it that you, you, you told everybody on LinkedIn to do when they're out at a hotel? Okay. Um, one of the things I, I do a lot of work in the hospitality industry. And so I, I see what folks are doing. They're, they're cleaning, you know, 10, 15 rooms, depending on, on what the work, what the requirements are. And I just ask people to help the housekeepers out to place their towels on an elevated surface like a counter when they're when they're done the dirty towels getting everything off the floor same thing with the trash cans because they're otherwise the housekeepers are doing a lot of bending and one of the things we see in our analyses and, and we've done a fair amount of research is that those are some of the tasks that that forward bending is really stressful on the body you don't have to be lifting a lot to be damaging the spine so if we as as hotel guests can do one or two little things to raise raise up the towels that would otherwise be on the floor to raise those waste paper baskets so when they change the liner they're working in that upright position it, it makes a big difference and, and i've asked housekeepers I'll, I'll just when i do hospitality work i'll do it you know i'll leave my room that way and a lot of times i'll strip the bed if i have time and and so i ask the housekeepers does that help you and two, two, one, they say, yes, yes, thank you so much. It saves them time to bringing things up off the floor. Floor is meant to walk on. Floor is not meant to store things. <laughs> You've also uh, creatively designed a, a ergo tucking in mechanism. You want to explain that too? Oh, yeah. And, and you know, uh, one of the things is housekeeper makes beds, lots of beds. You might have one king bed in a room or you may have some rooms in for example, uh, Central Florida, I've, I've been in hotel rooms where there are two sets of bunk beds and a, a, a couple of beds in a main bedroom where, so you've got, you've got six, four to six beds that you have to make. And one of the things is there's a lot of hand stress because think about tucking sheets off every bed. You got to tuck them in all the way around. You've got a lot of hand force getting the fitted sheets on. So I developed a little tool called Ergo Tuck. Um, and it's, it's called ergotucktool.com if, if I can put a shameless plug in. <laughs> but um, it's, it's simple. It's a simple piece with a nice handle and it allows um, a person, it doesn't have, doesn't have to be a housekeeper. My mother-in-law loves hers, um, but it allows you a little bit of leverage on the last two fitted corners of the fitted sheet to give you sort of like a, almost like a pry bar, if you will. And then it allows the hands to stay outside the space between the mattress and the box spring. When we first tested the product, we had different different materials, different handle designs, etc. And I asked a general manager at a, a prominent property in California to what he, if it's okay to test it. He said, sure. And so the first words out of his mouth were needle sticks. <laughs> I said, huh? <laughs> and I'm, I'm an ergonomist. You know, I, I don't usually dabble in the world of bloodborne pathogens, but he said, 
in his property, other properties, people will leave used hypodermic needles hidden under, between the mattress and the box springs and housekeepers get stuck. And then you have to go through a whole oh. regime of treatment and testing and this, and there's a lot of anxiety and a lot of fear. And I, oh my goodness. It was a shock. It was a shock. I, did, to me. I didn't get, I was going to predict that you were going to say that. I thought he was replacing needle sticks with a curse word. And so <laughs> anyway, it was kind of, it fits figuratively. And, and of course, mm-hmm. uh, in this case, that was um, wow. Great story. I, I'll tell you what, I, I appreciate the the shout out because yes, this is about you and what you think uh, in terms of human factors and storytelling. Um, speaking, of, speaking of storytelling, I just got to ask one question about storytelling. Um, in the world of being healthy, because I know you spend time doing that, and I, and when you're talking to an audience where most mm-hmm. of the workers are probably not healthy, um, is there a story you might tell them to, to might motivate them to be more healthy? Um, when I talk about when I try to get, I try to figure out how. Okay, this is sort of a psychological, physiological um, thing. When when I try to get into people's brains, okay, how do I how do I encourage them? How do I get them to change habits, behavior? I'll talk about, and I talk about body posture a great deal. I will say, this is where you're weak and demonstrate a posture. This is where you're strong and demonstrate a, a good posture. Instead of, if, if you know, the movie Christmas Story, you'll shoot your eye out. Um, you'll hurt your back. <laughs> That's, I, I believe, a better way. Because, again, people, how many times, think about it. How many times do people say, well, you'll hurt your back, you'll hurt your back, you hear it, you hear it. It just becomes monotonous and you don't hear it. It goes in one ear out the other. You just don't hear it anymore. But when I tell people, hey, well, this is where you're weaker, this is where you're stronger, bam. I can, I can reach those Gen, Gen, Gen Zs, the, the folks who are, are coming up in the world because, hey, they, they listen to that. Yeah, they do. And storytelling is good to reach out to all audiences. And mm-hmm. I tell you what, I'm looking forward to telling telling stories with you in the future. Now, you've brought up two incredible movies, Groundhog Day and A Christmas Story, which both mm-hmm. of them I love. And if you're a new generation person, which is great, that's, I'd recommend that you go out and watch both of these movies. I think you'll get a kick out of both of them. But mm-hmm. I always ask a final question of my, any of my guests, and I usually spin the podcast wheel. Um, since you're talking about movies, I'm not spinning the wheel this time. I'm just going to give you the question. Uh, if your life was a movie, what movie do you think that would be? I would say, I just think about this for a minute, but I, I know, okay, I'm, I'm going back to a particular actor, but, but what about Bob? Okay. Because then the, the, the story, the Richard Dreyfus character has this book called Baby Steps. And the key to good mental health is baby steps. The key to good ergonomics is baby steps. Do a little bit here, a little bit there. Think about if we, if we, if we look back at the example of putting your waste paper basket up on an elevated surface or your towels on an elevated surface in a hotel room. Those are called what I call baby steps. Helps folks out. We don't have to solve every issue today, but if we can get a little bit better, five percent better, ten percent better, and that's what the that's what the 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 gist of the book and the in the movie was about. Is baby, and that's why I call it baby steps. Baby steps is a great great message. I tell you what, you're right. Most people like to jump to solution. 
And in between there, they skipped the problem. They really didn't dive into the, the, the definition of the problem. And so jumping to, or I refer to it as leapfrogging to solution, you'll end up skipping everything in between and the baby steps is where it's at. And I totally agree with that. All right, Tim, we've run out of time. I've got to ask you though, how can our audience reach out to you, find out uh, besides LinkedIn, how can they find you? Um, uh, the easiest way is info at qp3ergosystems.com. Info at qp 3 ergosystems.com okay so Amen. for our military friends that's quebec papa three <laughs> ergosystems.com very very cool yeah. and i'll tell you what tim if uh if there's another time you can get together with me i'd love to um just i do want to mention that there is a presentation that we're putting together i want to get our audience psyched up for it called the 3po approach for all of you that know we've done a couple of episodes on star wars analogies and safety um, this is not a necessarily a huge push towards a Star Wars analogy. It just landed that way. Not that we aimed it that way, but um, <laughs> the 3PO approach, that would be looking at your physiological, psychological, and psychosocial factors and human factors and how the organization benefits, the 3PO approach. So look for a presentation down the road. You'll see the two of us together. I'd say, Tim, thank you for being here. Um, any final shout outs for anybody? Well, thanks so much to you, Tim. And, and you know, I have... I just mentioned my Alcoa colleagues, but I have to say I, I had a lot of folks in my years at Zurich and even today that are amazing, uh, I, too, too numerous to mention, but um, they know who they are. Yeah, they're out there and I'm, I'm sure they're listening. Um, Tim, on behalf of our listeners, Storytelling and Safety, I want to say thank you for being here. I would love to have you as another guest, um, but that's it for today. Uh, look for more episodes coming down. So as we start a new season, we'll have a lot of new guests this year. And I'm really excited about it, but I want to say thank you and uh, we'll see you all down the road. Thank you, Tim. I appreciate it. This podcast was brought to you by our listeners. Thank you for attending and spending some of your time with us. 